Well, I'm excited because, you know, I don't like to do anything empty and not go forward. And we could have had teachings on prophetic things over the years, but it was never really time to do that intentionally. But I believe now is the time in this house. I believe now is the time to go into that. And um, I'm excited for what God's going to do this weekend because I believe it's a strategic move in moving forward as our identity and our destiny as a house, as a, as a, as a house of God in this area. And introducing the man of God tonight, I want to read a little bit about him to really honor him. After becoming born again, Clay Nash yielded to the workings of Holy Spirit and began his journey to become a powerful prophetic voice to the body of Christ. For almost 40 years, he's traveled the world declaring the kingdom of God in people's everyday lives. Out of his function as an apostle, he's found in numerous assemblies of believers, maturing them to function as God's ecclesia. He has also established a network of relational covenants with ministers throughout the world. Clay serves on the team of Network Ecclesia International led by Dutch Sheets. He also has the honor of being aligned with Chuck Pierce and Global Spheres. Clay has a doctorate in theology. And despite his many achievements, Clay's greatest accomplishment is that he's been married to Susan, his wife, for over 45 years. That's an accomplishment right there now. Together, they celebrate three wonderful adult children, four perfect grandchildren, along with numerous spiritual sons and daughters. God's chosen to use clay in the areas of signs and wonders, apostolic authority, prophetic direction, and present-day truth from godly wisdom. He and Susan have a deep passion for the body of Christ to inhabit their true purpose by discovering God's original intent. They desire God's people to not only understand who they are in Christ, thus establishing their priestly anointing, but also knowing who Christ is in them, thus establishing their kingly authority. They know and live out this truth by being grounded in spiritual realities. One of Clay's greatest strengths, causing his gaze to always be focused on the future horizon, is his understanding that God never works in our past, but he always works in our future. Amen. So church, can we stand and honor the man of God, Apostle Clay Nash? can be seated. Where'd you find that at? <laughs> I probably need to read my rep, uh, go to my website and look at it every once in a while. It's kind of like uh, someone sent me a quote out of one of my books the other day and, and uh, I said, you know, every once in a while it'd be wise to go back and read your own book and see what got put in there. Amen. Well, I'm honored to be here. Um, when uh, the talk about it began to come up, I began to get stirred in my heart. Uh, I'm going to begin by just telling you a little bit of the journey. The book, Activating the Prophetic, uh, it was developed in Eastern Europe. I spent the 90s going to Eastern Europe, and I mean going. I would do five uh, 21 to 27-day trips to Eastern Europe a year. And one of the things that I did, I went in and established Bible colleges around the prophetic. I believe the body of Christ rises and falls on the prophetic. Now with that, I want to ask you a question. And it's okay to answer. Don't act like you're in church. 
Act like you are the church, okay? But what is the prophetic? Now, these are loaded questions. I'm going to give you just a little bit of uh, mercy here. Somebody, what? Voice of God, okay? I like that. Anybody else? What is, what is the prophetic? Well, let me, let me tell you what I want to establish going into this, and you need to catch. The prophetic is not about speaking for God. It's about hearing from God. It is the voice of God. And in the Western world and in through charismania, we've established more about speaking for God than we have hearing from God. There's a lot of things that's going on right now in the body of Christ, prophetic words, most of the body of Christ, maybe even you, are not discerning that they're filled with divination. See, divination is when you, when you speak truth, but with a wrong motive or a wrong agenda. The girl that had the spirit of divination in the book of Acts, she said, these are men of the Most High God. But Paul was a man of the Most High God. So it was true, but what was the motivation behind it? And so the prophetic is about hearing from God in order to be able to speak for God. And there's just a lot going on right now in the fact that, uh, you know, during the time of the church being reconstituted in the pandemic, a lot of people have learned that if you put out there what people want to hear, people send in money. And that's going on in the body of Christ right now in a very, very significant way. And so just be, be discerning about not everything uh, that is truth is pure. There are, there are motives about why it's brought forth. But tonight, let me just share with you, if you came here uh, to get deep revelation uh, you can go to Cheddar's because I'm going to just break it down into very basics. I'm going to give you the mechanics of the prophetic. Um, I don't have the figures on it, but the book that was birthed out of it, I birthed 30 Bible colleges across Eastern Europe. I've been to every Eastern Bloc nation. I was in East Berlin before the wall fell. That was an exciting trip. And so in doing this, I, I used what God had given me, and it has matured, and he's still fine-tuning it and everything. But what I want you to catch in going to all these nations, see, how, how many of you know if, as we get people recognizing the voice of God, the body of Christ will change? See, when you recognize the voice of God, it neutralizes the words of the devil and silence the feelings of your flesh. Think about that. My sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Doesn't say they're not going to hear it, but it says they're not going to follow. You know, uh, one thing I can tell you, people ask me all the time, how can I really get to know where I can recognize the voice of God? Study the ways of God. The scripture says the children of Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. And when you, you have to understand, it's God's ways or character that never changes. 
His acts do. How, how many of you know that uh, people are lying all the time in church about their giving? And the worms are not eating them, as it did Ananias and Sapphira. So God's acts can change. You don't get to know God through his acts. And sadly, the charismatic movement and the apostolic movement, a lot of people want to know God out of his acts, but you got to know him out of his ways because it's his character that does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you, when you get to know his character or his ways, then you're not going to be uh, sidetracked or deceived in any way. Now, let me give you this. There are three ways that God prefers. Everybody say prefers. Not to speak to you. Think about it. Three ways he prefers not to speak to you. All right. Number one, he prefers not to speak to you through circumstances. If circumstances are speaking to you, you're spiritually deaf. I'm not telling you he won't do this, but he would prefer to speak to you in a still, small voice. Okay? Circumstances. Second way that God prefers not to speak to you is through fleeces. Do you understand putting out fleeces was an Old Testament pattern? That was before they had Holy Spirit indwelling them. And so I have a saying, you put out a fleece, you get fleeced. I, let me just share with you the most saddest story. Uh, way back in the 80s, I was pioneering a church in Missouri. And a young man, I was raising up to be a pastor, had to call a God on his life. And he prayed one Saturday night. He said, Lord, if so-and-so is supposed to become my wife, let her wear red high heel shoes tomorrow. Well, she showed up. They got married. And she told him, said, no, you're not going to be a pastor. I didn't marry you to be a pastor. And he never fulfilled the call of God. They're still married today with him. Now, let me tell you what. I suppose, happened. I believe when he told the Lord that, the devil heard it, and he went to her and jumped on her shoulder and said, you look good in those red high heels. Wear them tomorrow. Are you hearing me? He put out a fleece. God doesn't work with us. He works with us relationally. Amen? And he wants to speak. So that's two ways. Now, everybody fasten your seatbelt. Put your biggest man on the, on the door. Don't want anybody leaving. The third way he prefers not to speak to you is through prophets. Boy, the holy brakes come on. The air brakes. Come on when you. Listen, he wants to have a relationship with you. I'm not telling you he doesn't speak. I'm a prophet. I've been to 58 nations of the world as a prophet. I've, I've prophesied and nations have changed. I prophesied what's going on in Brazil right now. I prophesied the president would be impeached. I prophesied several things. In fact, when I got through prophesying, Don Lynch had me in. Nobody told, gave me any warning. They grabbed me and took me in a room where guys had flak jackets and Uzis on. And the first guy that could speak some broken English said, looked me in the eye and he said, they'll kill you for prophesying like that. 
I said, get Don Lynch in here right now. Somebody should have told me this. Are you hearing me? But the president's been impeached. I've been into the Senate. I've prayed under the Senate. You know, we, we saw, uh, I prophesied about Petrobras, which was their biggest oil industry company. It'd be bigger than Exxon here. I mean, I've, you know, with it, now, I'm not boasting in my prophecy, but this is a point I want to tell you. A lot of people that are very prophetic think they're prophets, and they're not. Prophets are filled with government. He said, I'll build my church upon the cornerstone of the, uh, upon, uh, I'll build my church upon the foundation of apostles and prophets upon the cornerstone of the Lord Jesus Christ. So someone who's very prophetic but doesn't carry government that will shift nations, territories, regions, churches, don't, don't carry that level of authority, they're not standing in that five-fold ministry position or function of a prophet. Now, let me kind of sidebar right here and say this. I'm a prophet. I've been recognized. The book, Activating the Prophetic, has now sold close to 50,000 copies in Brazil. Okay, I've got a little bit of recognition but I'm here tonight submitted to this man's authority. At the end of the day, if I prophesy some tonight, he has the final say on it. And anybody that comes in here either comes through him as the gate or the door, or John 10 verse 1 says they're a thief and a robber. And I, I, listen, this would apply to Chuck Pierce. This would apply to... If he was still with us, John Paul Jackson, it would apply to the prophets that's out there because there is a protocol and an order how the prophetic works and flows. And, and when you honor that, remember what John 10 said? If you enter into the sheepfold any other way than through the door, you're a thief and a robber. He's the door into this place. God didn't set me here as the door. He set him in. Now, can I just... Amplify, I'm, I'm real big on amplifying. Years ago, our two daughters got married, and they would come to their mother and say, we're having trouble making a car payment, or our car broke down, or, you know, with that. And Susan would come to me, and I'd say, give them some money. And Susan called me one day, and one of our daughters and her husband was needing some money, and she asked me about it. I said, just give them the money. And when I got off the phone with Susan, the Lord said to me, you know you're a thief and a robber. I said, excuse me, Lord. I know everything's supposed to be perfect in heaven, but you're getting some wrong information. <laughs> and he said to me, you're entering in to those households other than through the door because those husbands are the door into those households. He went on to tell me this. How many, how many parents here have children, married? He went on to tell me, he said, those girls are no longer your daughter. They're those men's wives. I called Susan back and I said, you tell her to tell her husband to come talk to me. And they 
they started doing that, and can I tell you, it wasn't in a year's time they worked out of where they didn't need our money. Because what I was blessing them with was like storing it in a sack that I had a home. I'm amplifying this so you can see. Listen, God is into order. And order is not legalism. Order carries boundaries, and boundaries do not limit. Boundaries produce life, produce motion, produce uh, movement. And when you understand this and live by this, everything gets better. In the Memphis region, if you would talk with anybody up in that area and you would mention City Gate Church, they're going to say, oh, that prophetic church. That's what went on. When we brought uh, Todd White and those guys in, and uh, I say we brought them in, another group was trying to bring them in, couldn't raise the money, and I just told them, I said, I'll cut a check for what you like. And, uh, and we helped bring them in, and it was good. But when we did, I mean, everybody calls us the prophetic church, but, but let me share with you what I want you to catch out of that. We are a prophetic church, but also all the pastors of Memphis they say to me, how do you let your church be so prophetic and it not become wild and lawless? You set protocols. You put boundaries in place. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, we have five prophetic teams in our house, and weekly one of them are out in somebody else's church. And In fact, we these prophetic teams every Sunday at the end of the service, the last thing that's done is they pray or prophesy over people. The teams swamp out. You know, we have people leave, am I at home? Leave their dead services and come to ours to get a prophetic word. And what they don't realize, they go back and that word is just sucked out of them because they're not in an environment to where the word can produce fruit that will remain. I'm not being critical, I'm just, you know, just telling you. And so our teams are desired. Now, if you don't know my heart, I'm not being boastful. I'm trying to help you see the picture. Savannah needs a prophetic movement. Okay? But it needs a a prophetic movement of authentic prophetic. Let me tell you one of the most dangerous things about the prophetic. That is prophets that need to prophesy. Or prophetic voices. Let's get it out of the prophet function. I was in a meeting in the Sun Dome in Washington State many years ago now with a man, maybe some of you have heard his name or read his books. His name is Harold Eberly. How many of you know who Harold is? Harold's a very, very personal friend. I've stayed in his home. And another prophet and I got up and prophesied over two young men who were part of the worship team that did Harold's, uh, did worship for Harold for years. Uh, Jeff and Ro- uh, Robbie Eklund, her, their two sons. And we got up and prophesied over these two young men together, two prophets, and we sat down and people started going up one after the other prophesying over them. And Harold leaned over to me. He said, you understand the prophetic better than anybody. He said, something is not the same. What's And I said, we prophesied what God was saying and what they need to hear. These people are prophesying because they need to be heard. Am I I, I okay? See, it's called the Shebna spirit. Shebna was fired in Isaiah 22, but what Shebna did is he got his identity 
out of what he did. The people who carry a Shebna spirit want titles and recognition. The people who have a Shebna spirit, you know, I, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't look at the promotion for this, but we're trying to catch it every time. But if you put my name and you put the name Apostle with it, we are requesting that you put clean ash, comma, small a, Apostle. Because my apostleship is a function. It's not a title. It's not, it's, not, it's not who I am, it's what I do. Are you hearing me? Or the prophet side. I'm a, I'm a strange guy. I, of course, I personally teach that every, every apostle touches one of the other, other uh, five, fivefold uh, giftings. You know, whether some, uh, my spiritual father, Warwick Shenton, who with the Lord was, a, was an apostle teacher. Um, I would say Dutch is. He's very prophetic, but his main two. And you notice that, you know, when, I, when I've torn on this, the, the thumb rep, represents the apostle. You know, it's very hard to pick up something I mean, the, without a thumb. It gives stability. But the thumb's the only one that can touch each one. The, this, this finger is a prophet. He's pointing the way. The outreaching, longest finger is evangelist. He's reaching out. This finger is the pastor. It's the one, and, and yes, I'm married. Uh, my wedding ring had some damage to it, and we haven't gotten it fixed. And uh, after actually 48 years, going on 49, if I have to have a ring on to keep me safe, something's wrong anyway, amen? The, the ring that I wear is in my heart. Uh, you know, with it, we're a, I think mo many of you know we're in a new phase of life. We just moved to... 365 acres of land we bought for ministry in North Arkansas, and uh, the move almost killed us, uh, but we got it done. I think it was 14 loads that we moved up there. I've got too much stuff. Amen. But it's all got purpose in my mind. <laughs> and I have, this, I have this anointing on me for finding deals. Like about three years ago, I bought 60 sheets of four foot by 10 foot brand new metal, 18 gauge, for $9 a sheet. Yeah. And my son said, Dad, what are you going to do? I said, I'll come up with something. We're going to buy it. In fact, I'm just about to buy a plasma cutter, and I'm going to start manufacturing Appeal to Heaven flags and things like that and stuff. That's, that's my... Uh, that's my therapy. Any of who who golfs here? Any, any golfers? All right, you you know that's your therapy. Well, I work. And this week I I spread 120 tons of gravel this week, and that's my you know I loved it on that tractor, man. I'm telling you, it was it was it was good. It was it was life giving. Let me get back to it, and so. In the process of the prophetic, there has to be protocols. Let me, uh, let me shift here. Just a minute. Uh, i got to go see. see where it's at. Hold, hold just a moment. Uh, well, I forgot where. 
I'm going to give you some what to do with personal prophecy. Okay? How many of you ever been given a prophetic word? Okay? These, let me just tell you, these are the most life-giving things. Uh, man, a long time ago, probably 30 years ago, the Lord said to me, I want you to revalue the prophetic in the hearts and minds of my people. You ever notice that that people just, they just want a word, but they don't do anything with it. And so he began, I said, okay, Lord, you're going to have to help me and, uh, with this. So number one, everyone who receives personal prophecy, <coughs> excuse me, should immediately write it out <coughs> and meditate on it. Let me tell you why you need to write it out. There's something more powerful about reading something than just hearing it. I have 95% of every prophetic word that's been spoken over my life in 40 years in this iPad. And I love to, li I, have a, I have a lot of the recordings that, you know, they're out in the cloud. And sometimes i uh, got to emphasize a word and I'll get it, I'll listen to it and read it at the same time. The military says you retain 70 plus percent more of what you see than what you hear. And so it's very important when you type it out, and then it, uh, here's a lost art in the body of Christ, meditation. We need to get into meditating in a deeper way. <coughs> I just did something, I was just somewhere, anyway, I meditated on John 8, 32 for 12 months when I first got born again, and I heard the, Lord, the voice of the Lord speak out of it. That one scripture, that's all I had someone tell me. He said, just get you one scripture and carry it. And you carry it until you begin to hear God's voice. Remember, when you recognize his voice, it neutralizes the words of the devil and silences the feelings of your flesh. How many of you realize your flesh has a voice? If you don't, uh, get on a treadmill and do 20 minutes. It'll, it'll quote scripture. Bodily exercise profits little. Or eat another piece of that pecan pie. Amen? Are you hearing me? Number two, you need to review your prophecy with those that have spiritual authority in your life. Listen, spiritual authority is not someone that calls herself apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd. To have authority, all authority, listen to me, is influence, all authority is responsibility motivated by love. I have no authority, and this is in my book, Relational Authority, I have no authority in anyone's life that I'm not willing to take responsibility. That's the reason that the senior person, Kyle here, has the right to challenge any prophetic word because one day, I can go to the book of Hebrews and teach about him being the bishop of your soul and break this down. One day he's going to give a, a, an accountability, give an account for every prophetic word you speak, sir. So if that is true, shouldn't he be able to sit down with you and talk to you? But it's so important for you to take the prophetic word and sit with those who have authority in your life. Years ago in Illinois... A couple felt like they were to go to one of the Western African nations. They went to their elders. 
the elders said uh, what their plan was, sell everything they had and go. And the elders said, why don't you do this? Why don't you go there for three months, six months, come back, then sell everything, make sure it's right. They did what most charismatics do. They left the church. And they found another church, and they went there, and they gave them the same counsel, and they left that church, and they sold everything. They sold their cars, everything, and they went. And this particular Western African church uh, uh, nation was more developed, and they put all their money in a bank there. In about six months, their visa was revoked, and without a, revisa, without a visa, they could not withdraw money. And they lost it all. And they came back. I was part of this. I was asked to come in and try to reason. And, they ended up, and I have lost account with them. I don't know. But the last I knew, they were very bitter and wanted to blame everybody else. Listen, there's safety in a multitude of counsel. Do you know that you can have the right word and the wrong interpretation and end up in a mess? You've got to have the right understanding of what God is saying. Are you hearing me? And this is important. Number three, prove every word with biblical principles and witness of the Spirit. Someone had a dream with me in it last night. And uh, got it to me this afternoon, and man, it, it's detailed. And I'm processing it. You don't, and then I'm going to get it out to Jackie, and I'm going to get it to Dutch, and I'm going to get it to other people, and we're going we're gonna to unravel it because I don't want to assume on it. I want to have the right understanding of this dream. Dreams are prophetic. I want to have the right understanding of it so that I can implement it. But don't move, don't. Uh, don't move based on this word without confirmation and counsel. You gotta have counsel. They're saying, and while well, I'm at, I'm gonna insert this because there's a false thing in the charismatic movement that's really not the multitude of counsel. Most people think counsel is that I could call Winston, and then I could call Kyle, and then I could call Jerome, and then I could call Jackie. And I could bounce off every one of them individually what I'm contemplating doing. And the truth of the matter, that is not a multitude of counsel. A multitude of counsel works this way. I get all of them on, in phones nice now, Zoom, all the things we have. I get them all on the call together because the bit of wisdom that Jackie has triggers a greater bit of wisdom in Kyle or in Jerome or whoever and you get more of a multitude of counsel by doing it that way. And I did it the other way for years. Most of my teaching that I do, whatever it is I do, my expounding of it comes out of experiences where I failed. And I would do And another thing, too, if you keep seeking out someone to counsel you, you'll find someone to tell you what you want to hear. Oh, that's right. Y'all don't have people like that in Georgia. I'm sorry. They're all up where I am. They'll tell you. you. People do that. They run here and there, and they find someone that will tell them what they want to know. The next one is, uh, I've already said, prove every word with biblical principles, witness of the Spirit, and then last, remember that prophecies 
are most always conditional based upon proper, proper biblical response. When, when uh, Peter spoke to Ananias and Sapphira, he said, you're going to die, worm's going to eat you. That was not a conditional word. I remember when Kim Clement, you know, Kim Clement prophesied about uh, not Bin Laden, the other one that, was, that we found and he was executed in his blank. Yeah. I remember when, when he prophesied uh, that and everybody was going on about it and everything, but it was a conditional word. When you listened to it, it was conditional. And so in the prophetic realm, most of the time, words are conditional. And let me just share with you, most words, if not all words that are not conditional, are spoken by five-fold governmental prophets. I prophesied in Kansas one time, 100 years ago, that there were three men who had partaken of the Lord's table unworthy, and if they didn't repent, they were going to die. One repented, two didn't, and they died. One One dropped dead walking across the street. He was a banker, dropped dead with a heart attack. When he did, his friend, one of the other men who was a lawyer, went in his office and told his secretary, don't come in for two hours. When he did, he was dead. They did two autopsies on him and couldn't discover what took his life. In fact, I I was told this. I don't know this. Okay, I like to differentiate. But I was told that the person who did the autopsy said it just like the life was taken out of him. Now, the other one, one was a banker. it, actually, the word, the prophetic word said this. There, there's that one that glories in his wisdom, that one that glories in his strength, and that one that glor- glories in his wis- uh, wisdom. In uh, uh, his, uh, yeah. And so anyway, and one was a banker, one was a lawyer, one was a contractor, and they were the three elders in the church. I was just visiting. I told God, please let me go somewhere where I don't have to be a prophet today. And I got there, and it came on me, and I, I did it right. I went to the pastor. I said, I really feel, have a word. I said, I've handwritten it out so you can test it. He didn't know me. He didn't know me. And just because I had a word doesn't give me the right to release it. I needed to go through the door. And he did. He even invited me back on Sunday night to speak. I even prophesied. Let me say it different. I don't like that. God even prophesied through me that the building we were in, if these men did not repent, would not even be on site in a year. It was a brand new metal building. They had K-1 through 12th grade Christian school. One year later, there was a slab there, no building. They both died. I have to tell you, I almost got out of ministry. It's a, what's the word? It's a very hard thing to understand that God can speak through you and and men die. It's not as easy. How many of you read my book, not my book, Jim's book, The Real Deal? We forgive you, the rest of you. (laughs) Anyway, my publisher, after getting to know me, wanted to write a book about my life, and he had, and Jackie and some of the people in the room know, if you read the book, you know, my church background was USA Heathen. 
I was not raised in church. My mom and dad divorced the first time when I was 12 years old, and I was meaner than a junkyard dog. I was a bar fighter, and I hurt people for pleasure. Now, I'm ashamed of all this. It's not in the blood. But I, I'm just telling you, you have to understand that uh, uh, a mother just sent this book to her son in prison. And he got saved. This is what he told her. He said, Mom, I realize if God could forgive that man, he could sure forgive me. And that's why Jim wrote the book. Amen. That's what it's about. It's about understanding the forgiveness of God. And I'm not, not proud of any of my past, but, uh, you know, you remember where Paul said, I'm a chief among sinners? Well, on that list that Paul headed the list, my name was right under his, you know, with him. But God redeems. And so remember that prophecy is conditional based upon a proper biblical response. If you respond to a word wrong, try to make it happen. Uh, In March of 2004, as God began to lay the vision out for North for Memphis, the Mid-South, I told the Lord, and I said, Lord, I don't have the proper, the word I used then I no longer used was covering to do this. Who is in the nation that has a mantle of authority that I can come into relationships so I can accomplish it? And he spoke Dutch's name. And if my wife had been able to travel with me, she would tell you that the most wise thing I ever did was I waited on God. I've been known to help God. Anybody here ever help God? Amen. You know, I would start going to Dutch Sheets meetings, you know, and stuff to get around, but I didn't. And and it's amazing how God slammed us together. Uh, It actually began in 2006 and happened in 2007, and we've walked together very, very, very close uh, since then. And so you, you don't need to help God in the prophetic. What God says you make yourself available, and you actually surrender. You know, you and you come in agreement with what he's saying. Lord, I like that part. We treat prophetic words like Shoney's salad bar or Ruby Tuesdays or, you know, whatever. You know, I like that, but don't give me any of those little green peas. You know, I, I like my green peas cooked. You know, <laughs> I'm going to walk around that. And we pick and we, we take out of it. But when God speaks something... The whole word applies. All right, am I helping you a little bit? Making some sense? I'm wanting you to, uh, I I want you to be able to see, uh, see what God is, is doing through this. Because if you don't understand the protocol and uh, the mechanics of how the prophetic flows, You'll, you'll end up, people will be hurt. People will be uh, disappointed. There will be a lot of things that, that take place. Now, let's talk for just a minute about, uh, i got to find my right notes here, excuse me. There it is. Let's talk for just, just a minute. I'm going to read to you from uh, about the inf- I'm, we're going to talk about the influence of prophecy, but I'm going to read to you from Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. As I fell at his feet to worship him, he said to me, 
see that you do know you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The difference between someone that operates in the prophetic and a prophet, prophets operate, not all the time, they can operate in the manifestation of prophecy. I'm going to get into this a little bit more in a minute. But prophets operate a lot of times in the spirit of prophecy. It's on a higher level. It's the reason it's not always conditional. Are you with me? And so there's a difference between uh, 1 Corinthians 12, what we call the gift of prophecy. Now, go with me very quickly there to 1 Corinthians 12. Turn there in your Bible. This is very important. I think you ask another one of those loaded questions. I love asking this one. When I mention 1 Corinthians 12, what pops into your mind about that chapter? Talk a little louder. Gifts of the Spirit. How many of you agree with that? I don't. I repent, Lord. I just love getting, you know, saying that. Let's read it. Verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now here's my question. You're looking at the Word of God. How many of you the word gifts is italicized? Hold your hand up. Okay. Let me tell you why it's italicized. Go to your Strong's Concordance. Turn to the very front. This is just Greek 101. And it says any word that's not in the original text, Strong's will give it the number 9999. If you would look the word gifts up there, also in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, it's not there. It's not in any of the original text. So you say, what are you saying? I'm telling you, that I've discovered there are not nine gifts of the Spirit as I used to teach in era, and many teach in era. There is the gift of Holy Spirit and the nine manifestations of that gift. I've got an Indian trike, and I'm going to bless you with it. Now I'm just hypothesizing here, okay? I saw you getting too excited. <laughs> it's got a signature paint job. The guy that painted it signed a paper. He'd not ever paint another Indian trike the same color. So the gift is the Indian motorcycle, but he can start bringing people to church on Sunday one at a time. He can take up a paper route. Amen. He can start evangelizing one percenters. Amen? I've done that. I've been there, done that. Still got, got another in plan. In fact, if I wasn't here this weekend, I could be in Arkansas with a bunch of one percenters. I got a call yesterday. won't know if I was coming. I told him I couldn't. But the, my point is, when you get born again and Holy Spirit indwells you, you get Holy Spirit. 
Am I biblically sound? But how many of you realize that when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not about you getting the Holy Ghost, as we say. It's about the Holy Ghost getting you. Are you with me? And so the, the gift is the motorcycle, but the manifestation is what you do with it. The gift is Holy Spirit, but the manifestations can be words of knowledge. It can be words of wisdom. It can be prophecy. It can be miracle. It can be all of that. Discernment, tongues, interpretation. All of these are important. But when I discovered this 30-some years ago and began to teach it this way, I have to tell you, I saw people come alive. Because everybody was trying to discover, you know, the big thing 30, 40 years ago, discovering your spiritual gift. And then we kind of rank them. You know, you know I, I prophesy I'm more important than you. Listen, if I could give you the gift that I, the, the manifestation that I believe is important, it would be discernment. That's the one that's needed. Are you hearing me? And so when we understand this, that there are nine manifestations there, but only one gift. Jesus called it the promise of the Father. In, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a beautiful thing. You know, I tell my people all the time, if you're in doubt, pray in tongues. If you're still in doubt, pray in tongues. When I got, listen, I know tongues are real because I never was around any spirit-filled Pentecostal people. I knelt in my bedroom beside my wife one night right before I was to leave on a truck going to Las Vegas, Nevada with a load. And I said, God, I believe there's more. I don't know what more is. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how it's going to come, but whatever more is, I need more. That was about what my prayer was. And the Holy Spirit fell on my wife and I, and we began to speak in tongues. We'd never heard tongues. We had never heard a word of tongues. I left on that truck at about 10 that night with a co-driver. It was my truck. I called in the next day. I don't remember it was Texas, Oklahoma, probably it was Oklahoma. And I, Susan answered the phone. Those was about when you had to stop and go to a pay phone. You know, had to, no cell phone. I called her up. And she said, hello. And I said, I couldn't speak a word in English. And, and I mean, it really got her. And I pulled out on the truck. The driver was in the sleeper. I was up there in the front. I would just, you know, I would sing in tongues, pray in tongues, talk in tongues. And he finally came out of there and said, you don't know this. I mean, I went to high school with this guy. He said, you don't know, I was raised Pentecostal and I'm backslidden. If you'll just quit speaking in tongues, I'm going to give my heart back to God. <laughs> and he got born again. I mean, you know, he came back to the Lord. I'm, I'm not, I believe he had been born again. Are you hearing me? And we went to California, dropped our load, came back down into the uh, Bakersfield area, Delano, picked up some exotic grapes, got to Bruce's truck stop on Weed Patch Highway, Bakersfield, California. I know it don't mean anything to you, but it does me because I, I was in a hotel room and had an encounter with Jesus. 
He walked into the room. Not on this trip, on another one. And a demon manifested itself. We parked our truck. We're going to go in and shower, pull out and drive all night. And a, I have to be cautious of my story. And a young, naked woman walked up to my truck and offered to sell herself. And I rebuked her and told her to get away from me. The guy that was with me, his name was Ronnie, he said, man, you are safe. <laughs> and about the time that she began to walk away, I said, we need to share Jesus with her. Couldn't find her nowhere. And I know it was a demon. Are you hearing me? Now, I'm spinning all this into the prophetic because, see, the prophetic works every day in every aspect of your life. I have a problem with these people that only become prophetic when they walk through the doors that we call the church. Amen? See, I believe God created everyone. I believe every Baptist, every Methodist, every... Episcopalian, I believe every person is prophetic because doesn't he want us to recognize his voice? He wants to speak to us. He wants a life-giving relationship with us. So gifts is not there. I'm going to flip over to 1 Corinthians 14 real quick. It said, pursue love, desire, desire spiritual gifts. Gifts is italicized, but especially that you may prophesy. God wants people. Faith comes by hearing. When prophets or prophetic people prophesy, it builds our faith, doesn't it? I, I read an email uh, from someone that wrote me about the 222 call. A person who's been a governmental, according to their testimony, governmental intercessor for 50 years. I, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm not boasting. This is what this person said. I've grown more on the 222 call than I, than I ever thought was possible. And what I'm trying to tell you is because the prophetic gets on there, the authentic prophetic. Someone wrote me the other day, and I don't ever know where people are. So, But anyway, someone wrote me the other day and told me I needed to add more people on, and they were happy to be one of those people. And... I, you know, I wrote back very nicely, and I said, God chose this team. I prayed about it. I have a relationship with everybody that's on it, and I invited, and, you know, they've been uh, faithful. It's, let me just share with you, it's very taxing to set aside. I set aside every day that I'm on the call, an hour before the call, and then do the call. I spend an hour in prayer before I do it, and I do the same thing on the Tuesday night calls you know, with him. And I'm so thankful that Jackie Tires in my life that helps me with it. Regina Shank does some. Uh, can I be excited for just a moment? Uh, Susan and I fly out of the country on the 29th. We're doing two weeks in the Virgin Island, first vacation in about three years. <coughs> and Jackie and Regina and... Somebody else, some others are going to take the call and run with it. <clears throat> and I'm so thankful to have people in my life that, you know, not, not one time have I ever worried that they were going to try to steal the call. 
One reason I don't is because it's not my call. It's God's call. You can't steal what's God. Amen? But also, they, they, their motivation is the same as mine. I told Dutch last, a year ago, uh, probably September, we were doing the calls. He had had the call going for Reset 2020, and then we decided we were going to merge that call with the call I was doing. And um, I told him, I, and I, you know, sometimes I don't even realize what I'm saying. I just tell, say what God said. And I said, Dutch, God's fixing to give us opportunity to disciple the nations. And I have to tell you, the thousands that are on that call have been discipled. I have thousands of emails of how things have changed in people's life. They've learned how to declare and declare. Not boasting in the call, I'm boasting in the prophetic of the call, you know, with it. I mean, people are, are very, very moved. Now, let me find my other notes here. The influence of prophecy, we find that in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, it edifies. That word edify in the Greek language is actually a, an, like an athletic term. It's like a weight pusher. You don't just wake up in the morning, you, you're a little buff here, but you just don't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to bench press 300 pounds. <laughs> Amen. you got to build yourself up to that. So it edifies. You know, anybody here ever worked out on weights or, or trained for a marathon? Listen, it, it's grueling. So edification is just not all hunky-dory, wonderful, ice cream social type stuff. It, it, you gotta, you got to stay with it. Amen? you gotta, you got to stay with it. I remember one of our wedding anniversaries, Susan and I gave each other a trainer. And we both started going to the gym, and we started training. I want to tell you, it hurt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It, it hurt. It hurt good. Kind of like going to a good chiropractor and a good mas uh, masseuse or get a good massage. It hurts good. Are you hearing me? And so it edifies, uh, and it exhorts. What does it mean to exhort? It encourages. That's what we're hearing from the people on the call. It is exhorting them to another level. These, these ladies here, you came from South Carolina? Uh, they are on the call, and they were both uh, have said some things about it and, and learning how to flow together. You know, one of the things the body of Christ don't do well is flow together. And we've been modeling it now for almost a year. That, huh? Well, really longer than that. I go back to Kavanaugh when I first started. It was a little bit different. It's, it's, it's taken on God's nature in a way that I, I'm not smart enough to devise a plan and, and, and get it done. But it, it, it's moved into that. And so the last thing is, is to comfort. Think about comfort. It's good to be comforted, but sometimes comfort... Uh, I, I treat it like that chiropractor. Amen? Um, and don't write me any ugly emails that this is demonic, but when I was six years old, I was paralyzed from the waist down, and I was healed 
but I didn't get a lot of feeling back in my feet. And I ran into uh, ladies in ministry and her daughter, and they did reflexology. Now, listen to me, not Eastern, you know, not, not demonic stuff. And they began to work, every year when I did a conference in Arizona, they would work on my feet, and feeling came back in my feet. And it's amazing. They would tell me, said, now we're fixing to work on the area of your feet. You need to get some Kleenexes because we're going to work on uh, where the sinus area is. And my nose would begin to run. I know a pastor, they did his feet, and he got a black eye from it. It turned loose some toxins and everything. It's amazing. You've got to drink a lot of water when you go through this and everything. And, and with it, but what I'm trying to say out of it is, God works with people where they're at. Now, I'm going to shift for just a minute and tell you, I'm going to amplify for a moment. When I got born again, I owned a trucking company, and, and we were financially challenged, de deregulation come. We'd have bought, we bought 25 trucks and 50 trailers based on a contract that Jimmy Carter came along because of Afghanistan. Would you believe we're almost there? And signed a a deal to where we couldn't ship anything to Afghanistan and Poland. You, you remember that? December of 79, I think this was. I just bought these trucks, had this contract, got to looking, had my lawyers look at the contract, the bond under the contract said, in, ca in cases of, um, uh, what do they say, when God does something, uh, huh? Act of God, in international war, threats of international war, this contract null and void. Well, it was a threat, and he put an embargo on We couldn't ship anything. We were hauling everything in Houston, Texas, putting on ocean-going ships, it was going overseas. And so our world began to turn, what we thought was upside down, turned out to be right side up, could have got me born again. But in the process of this, we had to learn how to recognize and trust God and, and bring it through to the other side. It was a good experience. Got me born again. So it was very, very important. But he had to comfort us during that time. Are you hearing me? He had to comfort us during that time. Let me just listen for just a moment. Let's talk about the substance of prophecy, okay? Prophecy is made up of foretelling, which speaks about something that is coming. It's actually made up of words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Words of knowledge speak about from the now into the past. Words of wisdom speak about the now into the future. Words of knowledge have a foretelling. Words of wisdom have a foretelling. Are you with me so far? Okay. And so the substance of prophecy are made up of words of knowledge and words of wisdom. We're going to bring in a third chord in a minute. But it, it, they speak about. So if I would say to this woman here, uh, the Lord wants you to know that even though it was a hard time when you were younger as a teenager, he's brought you through that place that was hard. There were many disappointments during that time. But he began to heal you. 
because you've made yourself pliable in his hand. He's brought you forth. And the Lord wants you to know the future is about you blossoming is the beautiful rose that he's called you to be. This is the Lord. And so, therefore, he wants you to know as you walk it out and surrender to him, he's going to intervene in this situation. And even the, the disappointing things that happened and the reoccurring dream that tormented for a while, they're gone, says the Lord. For I brought you into a place of peace. I brought you into a place of fruition. I brought you into a place that is now time for your rod to bud and you to go forth in the authority that I've invested in you. Thus saith the Lord. So in the process of bringing that word, it began talking about her past. That was foretelling. That was words of knowledge. Then it began to speak about her future, which was words of wisdom, which has a foretelling effect. Love your emotions. Love, love what, what God's doing there. But the third chord that prophecy is always filled with, it's filled with love. How many of you heard the, my voice begin to break? My emotions begin to come in. When I begin to see her emotion and, and his emotion, when I begin to see that the word became so much more, I connected with you on a level spiritually that is righteous and proper because of that connection with it. But the third chord is that of love. Any prophetic word, even when I spoke to those men, that if they didn't repent of taking the Lord's table unworthily, it had love filled in it. And if we would go, I'm not going to, for time's sake, if we would go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's a book filled with knowledge. If we jump over to 1 Corinthians 14, it's a book filled with wisdom. But what's sandwiched right in between it? The book on love. Isn't God neat? He, he knows the problem. He has the answer to the problem before the problem comes along. <clears throat> and so you take a word. What's your first name? Crystal. Crystal. You take a word like crystal God here and say, I begin to see it penetrate into her emotions as it begin to talk about disappointments and some things there, you know, with that. And you take that and you take the words of knowledge, forthtelling. The words of wisdom foretelling, and you put them with that third chord of love, and it brings change. In the book of Joel, it said, and afterwards. Everybody say afterwards. afterwards. When you see those kind of language in God's word, it's, it's trying to get your attention. And it said, then afterwards, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And, it, and your, your Bible goes on to say, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your older men, you know, I said older men, not old men, amen? Listen, my last long motorcycle ride, I'm, I'm 68, my last long motorcycle ride, I did 785 miles in a day. You don't have to become old, you must become older. I'm living proof of it. 
And your older men will dream dreams and your young men will see vision. But actually, the original text is just a little different. And it said, and afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh as my sons and daughters prophesy, as my older men dream dreams, as my young men see vision. Even we can validate that with the book of Acts because they're just, remember when Peter, when it's quoted there, it's Peter, wasn't it? Quoted that same text out of Joel. It, it said, he said, I'll pour out of my spirit. Let me ask you something. In the New Testament, where is the spirit? In us. He, if he's going to pour out of his spirit, he has to pour out of us. Let's go back over here to Crystal. And I ask you something. Did you feel the spirit coming on you as I was prophesying to you? Even though I started it, not saying it was a word for her. I knew that I had a word for her. But God, see, God pours his spirit out upon people through the prophetic. That's the reason we need the prophetic. Now, I'm going to get on dangerous ground for just a moment. How many of you here are familiar with it? Come, it come out of Reading, and it's really good. Okay, but the treasure hunt that they develop, I have a problem that we've got to we've got to do it as a tre you know like that. See, I believe that I don't believe we need to have a Friday night to go do the treasure hunt. I think we ought to be on the treasure hunt every time we're out and around people. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying Reading was wrong, and it's been a tool and a resource that's got a lot of people doing uh, prophetic evangelism, and we need that. Is no doubt. But what we saw happen is a lot of people tapped into the fact uh, of, of that. They, they never did it. In fact, when Todd White and Bob Hazlett and uh, I forget who all was there in Memphis when, when they came in, uh, one of the things that concerned me was every day they sent teams out on the street. And every night they had testimonies. And here's how the testimonies went. Night after night after night. Well, I went down there where they're living under the bridge. And I went over there where they all live in the back of the alley. And nobody came in and said, I went up to the president of Union Planners Bank. See, it's very easy to evangelize people that are less than you and have less than you. And I challenged them on it. And I had enough relationship at that point. But I said, look, I think it would have been a lot better if we'd had some testimonies that you know, the Lord directed me to go to the bank or go to the, this place or, uh, you know, uh, Fred Smith with FedEx. I'm, I'm, I'm not insinuating not born again. I'm just, but everybody can use a word and everybody can have something that will trigger their emotions and draw them closer to God and even bring closure to a past situation which keeps trying to get a hook in you to pull you back to think on the past. That's the reason, you know, you ever heard people say, man, I was so glad when I came back to God. You never go back to God. God's never in your past. He's always in your future. You got to go on. You got to go on with God. Amen. Come on. This going back stuff is not about. Amen. People used to sing in a little Methodist church I got born again in. Give me that old time religion. I don't tell my wife I did that. 
I don't, I don't want the whole time religion. Amen? I want, I want my relationship to be fresh and new with him daily. You know, and, two, and just over a week when Susan and I get to St. Thomas, let me just tell you, that, that, we've been married 48 years. That's pretty good history. But we've been friends for 60 years. And we're going to walk the beach at night. And I'm going to whisper sweet somethings, not sweet nothings, sweet somethings in her ear. Are you hearing me? Why? Listen, marriages are not made in heaven. They're made down here in the now and nasty. And you, listen, people, people write Susan and I all the time on Facebook and they say, y'all, especially people we went to high school with, Y'all live the life we all want to. I said, no, we live the life we want to. <laughs> you can Listen, you frame your world. The world was framed. You know what that word framed there in Hebrew means? Brought into manageable boundaries. And you can bring your own world into manageable boundaries with your confession. And I'm not talking about name it and claim it and grab it and blab it. I'm talking about... Come on. I mean, some, of y- some of y'all are not o- old enough in the faith. I grew up through some of that. You know, if you just said it enough, you're going to get a new Cadillac. <laughs> and God wants to prosper you, there's no doubt. But he, you know, it works different. So what you have to do is learn what God has said and, de- and declare and decree what God has said as though he's saying. The Lord said to me, Years ago, I never want you to call Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. So I quit. I had to work at it, but I quit. And then a few years ago, probably more than a few now, he said, I don't want you to ever say the Bible says. I said, okay, Lord, help me understand. He said, because most people read the Bible like it once spoke, but it doesn't still speak. Most people read the Bible like it's history, and not a, a living thing that speaks today. And so if you hear me, I'm going to say, and the word of God is saying. You know, there where it says, you shall not live by bread alone, but out of every word. And I know your text will say that proceedeth, but that's not what it said. That is proceeding. There is stuff in Genesis still speaking today. There is stuff in every book of the Bible that's still speaking today. And it's prophetic. And so when we understand the substance of it, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, love, foretelling, foretelling. Isn't it beautiful how God can can speak and go into a situation? See, he doesn't undo your past. He redeems it. In my book, it's out there, I had six guys beat me. I laid in the hospital six weeks. I was two weeks before my eye, the swelling went down my eyes to where I could see my best friend. His name is Louis Francis McLean, Jr. I just love to say his name. <laughs> Vietnam guy. He came in to see me two weeks in the hospital. One eye opened just a little bit. You know what? I, and you know why they beat me? Because I made a drunken statement that nobody could make me cry. And they beat me. I laid six weeks. They almost kicked my kidneys in. 
In two weeks, he came in, and when I opened this a little bit, and I said, Louie, that didn't make me cry. <laughs> Arrogance gone to seed. Are you hearing me? Then I journeyed on in life, and I met a man who walked softly and carried a big stick. His name was Jesus. And I crawled out. One of our generals, I can't remember which one, he said, he said, I don't trust men who don't cry. See, I was raised by a man that kept telling me, he said, men don't cry. That's a lie. Real men cry. Not just because I do. Most, a lot of places I'm known in Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. But what I'm trying to, see, God wants to speak to you. And he wants, how's faith going to come if you don't recognize his voice? You know, it's many ways. He can speak through conviction. He can speak through a still, small voice. He can speak through the word. He can speak through a dream. He can speak through a vision. Can I tell you one of the ways that, that's a very strong way that God speaks in the body of Christ? Much of the body of Christ don't adhere to it. He speaks through peace. Sometimes I know what to do because I just have total peace about it. Recently, I had a situation where I bought a piece of equipment and I was to pay for it the next morning and at about 11 o'clock at night, someone texted me and said, I can't go through with this deal. I'm not going to sell this to you. And I'm a businessman. And I was raised my words, my bond. And I went, boy, I felt something rise up in me. And it wasn't God. And I grabbed hold of it and I pushed it back down. And I said, you know what? I bless him. If he's not at peace, then I, I release, I wrote him. I said, I release you. I understand. Da, 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 da. But then I told, I, I told we, it was about 1130 at night. But then I told Susan, I said, there's a better deal. I can't even go into it. But it was a, by the next day at noon, I bought a 25-horse greater piece of equipment than what I was buying. I mean, just incredible, incredible, incredible deal. But can I tell you, I could have missed that had I crossed my piece and began, what, what does he mean backing out on me? Doesn't he know I need that track? I'm paying him good money for it. But I didn't do that. I blessed him. You know that the charismatic church is very wrong in how it doesn't bless people. I, we have people leave our church all the time and they want to leave right. We bless them. And we know it's not the will of God. I got a couple that's been in our church four times. Blessed them every time. I'll look them in the eye and say, you got a lot more peace about this than I do. But if you feel your time's up here, I want to bless you. I want to send you away blessed. Nine months later, they'll show back up. It wasn't God. But if I would look them in the eye and say, you know, I just curse what you're doing. Your kids are going to be born naked. <laughs> Trying to lighten up a serious moment there. But do you think about it? But you bless them. You don't have to come in agreement. I, I, you know, I, I told you, I can't be in agreement with what you're doing, but you feel you're supposed to, so I'm going to bless you in what you feel you're supposed to do. And they'll come back. 
But when you stand and curse them and speak things over them, they're not coming back. Have we got some paper and pens? We're going to do a little prophetic exercise. Is that all right? We're going to do a prophetic activation. He's going to pass out some pens and paper. And when he does, I want you to write, and I'll tell you again, on the paper, my child, I love you very much. This is God speaking to you. My child, I love you very much, and I want you to know. And then I want you to just meditate for a moment and see what God says to you. It's very easy. What I did with Crystal Wongo, it's very easy to prophesy over somebody else. I, I mean, especially in a room full of faith like we're in tonight. It's not, it's, not, it's not hard. I was in a service in Arkansas. been a little while. I won't say recently, but it's longer than recently. But in that service, I called three people out. Never been to this church. I called three people out by their name. And all three people got born again. Why? Because it was faith. This church went like three and a half years of services every night. And people were coming, and there was so faith in there. And it's not hard to step in, you know, when it's there. Now, let me tell you where it's hard to step in, where there's a religious spirit. When I didn't feel it tonight, but I, I had to question my heart this afternoon. I, I don't like going places where people get their little notepad out. Well, I agree with this, but I don't agree with that. That's them, that's them cold peas on a salad bar. I don't like them. <laughs> you know, it, I don't care if you disagree with me. I'm not trying to impress you, but I can tell you, I don't preach theory. Everything I'm sharing, we've been walking in for 40 years. Everything I'm sharing, I've raised up 20-some churches that operate in this. Everything that I'm sharing will make your walk with God more effective, more effective. Not just effective for you, but effective for the people around you. So write on your paper, my child, this is Father God, Daddy God, Abba Father, speaking to you, my child, I love you very much, and I want you to know. And just get quiet and meditate for just a moment. Now, let me just share with you. It can be a, a Bible scripture. You might not hear a word, but you might see a color. You might just hear one word, and you might get a paragraph. God works with us as individuals. My one daughter, all I had to say was, all right, we're going to have to spank you. Never got to spank her. She'd fall out on the floor, beg for mercy. You know what I mean? Come, and then, of course, our oldest daughter, I don't never remember having to really discipline her. And then my son came along, and I prayed, paid for my raising. And uh, <laughs> with it, but, you know, you, God works with us as individuals. He's not going to say something to this woman in a tone he might talk to me in. He, he works with your personality. I want to go back to a story I started sharing. I got sidetracked, but 
I was coming out of how, and, and this will help you while you're writing. You can listen and write. I was coming out of Yuma, Arizona with a load of tomatoes headed to Louisville, Kentucky, back during the 55-mile-an-hour days. It was hard to make a living. And I was running five radar detectors. We called them bird dogs. Some were stronger than others, and I had my sun visors lined up with them. And a voice came on the CB radio, and it said, and I was running 68, and it was a 55-mile hour. And a voice on the CB radio said, break it down. The speed limit's 55, not 68. And I thought, where did that come from? And I went on at 68, and the voice said it again. And I, and I started breaking it down a little bit, and the voice said it the third time, and then I saw an Arizona State Trooper sitting in the median. And I called back to him, and I said, hey, none of my bird dogs went off. What'd you shoot me with? And he said, I, well, I, I've left out part of the story. Excuse me. Backing up, just before all this happened, I heard Holy Spirit say, there's radar ahead. But none of my bird dogs went off, but this voice came, and I said, what did you, you know, what did you shoot me with? And he said, I shot you with Vascar. Anybody know what Vascar was? First of laser. When they moved from radi the radiology that they were shooting your speed with into laser, and Vascar went. Well, years later, I was already a Christian then. Years later, I was teaching on the prophetic for the first time in Wynn, Arkansas, Calvary Church, and the Lord had me, uh, was, I was preparing, and he said to me, he said, you remember when I said to you there's radar ahead? And I said, yeah, Lord. He said, what would you have done if I said there's Vascar ahead? I didn't know what Vascar was. And I said, I'd been looking for a sports car, Lord. <laughs> and he said to me, I'll always speak to you in a language you can understand. Reading Jesus spoke in parables. Those that didn't need to know didn't understand, but those that needed to know understood. And so he wants to work with us as individuals. My child, I love you very much, and I want you to know. Who, who's got something? Who, who's already wrote something? Hold your hand up if you have. Okay, I'm going to be quiet. You're not getting anything. Just, just concentrate on it. Just ask him to speak something to you. Anybody seeing a color? Anybody smelling a fragrance? All these are ways that God speaks to us. Has anyone got, gotten something? Hold your hand up if you got something. Several of you? Okay. I'm going to, the lady in the back right there. You've gotten something? 
Is it something you could share publicly with the with the group? Would you feel comfortable? If you're not, sometimes he speaks very deep to us. Here, let me bring the mic back so that I can hear you, ma'am. My past and my raising of my children has not been in vain. And everything that I've sacrificed is the start of what he's doing in their lives. And they're not mine anymore. Pretty strong word. Amen. Pretty strong word. You get something in there? Thank you. Can you share? Um, I've heard your prayers. You're not alone. I've got your family. Breakthrough is coming. You know, if probably all of us to some degree are in those shoes. We've got somebody we're praying over and everything. But if you're praying for that word and you get a word like that, isn't it, isn't it encouraging to do that? It's important that we realize he wants to speak to us. There's a young man in Texas today that's in, he's a Christian, he's a lawyer, and he's in the political arena because I did a prophetic activation to where I stood people against the wall, had them close their eyes, they didn't know, and then I picked out people to stand behind him and a young woman that was in the Bible college that Robert Henderson had there prophesied to him that he was going into a governmental office and that he would go, he would go, uh, he would study to be a lawyer. He had none of those plans. And every bit of it came to pass. And in this school, she didn't really know him. She knew who he was, but they went with it, but she didn't even know who was behind her. And so it's important. The, here's what the pastors tell us over our five prophetic teams. The most accurate prophetic teams that we've ever had in. And none of, I don't have a prophet on none of those teams. They're just people that recognize the voice of God. In fact, we sent them to a church in Batesville, Arkansas. And unbeknowing to us, there was a man came to the meeting because his daughter went to that church and he thought the prophetic was flaky and not real. And he gets in line. And what we do, we take newbies, we take new people and put them on mature teams till they learn how to function. And we take loose cannons. Y'all know what a loose cannon is. Uh, you know, some people are, are so mystical, they're a loose cannon. And we put them on a team. And, and the, the greatest loose cannon we had in... I think I had five teams there, about six a team. In that, I put it. The, I have a lady that's in our leadership, Vicki Billman, that does all this for me. I don't do this as much as I used to. And I put her on Vicki's team because I knew Vicki could reel her in and with it. And this guy came and stood before him to get his prophetic word. We were basically functioning. Each team was as a prophetic presbytery. And she looked him right now and said, you've got unfinished business with Lucy. He almost died. He came to me immediately. He said, I need to repent. You only came here to prove all this was a fake. But this word that this woman gave me is right on, and I need to tell my daughter something she doesn't know. 
would you go with me? Her daughter was there, and we went over, took her to a private place, and he told her the word. He said, I just got a word that I had unfinished business with Lucy. He said, I didn't know this till about six months ago, but you have a half-brother. I fathered a, a child that I wasn't aware of with a woman while I was married to your mother, and he's wanting to come into our life. Now, isn't that just like God? So how many of you realize God will decently expose you? Amen? He will decently expose And he got this guy's heart. He redeemed him about the prophetic. And I happen to know that his daughter and her half-brother are very, very, very close. In fact, I think the father has now gone to be with the Lord. Yeah, I think, I think I'm right about that. And so we must realize the gravity of, of the prophetic and how God pours his spirit out upon people. And this person came there. He was going to get this word, and he just knew it wouldn't be right, and he was just going to you know, interrupt everything and said that was everything they prophesied was wrong. And God knew his agenda. God knew what he was doing. And so he gave him a word he couldn't deny. He gave him a word that brought fear into his heart. And, and can I share with you, you know, a lot of people that get into the prophetic, they become very critical. They won't go around and straighten everybody out. Um, that's, that's not the best of the prophetic. I do believe we're coming into a time that there are uh, prophets that are reserved that are going to come forth and start speaking judgment. And I really, really do. Uh, with it, yeah, you know, a lot of people are saying that the nation's under judgment and stuff like that. We're not on. Listen, most of what's going on in our nation, we're reaping what we have sown. There's a difference between that and judgment, and we need to need to understand that. All right, I'm gonna trying to be wise and and uh, everything. Has anyone got a burning? And, and if you hadn't gotten anything on that, carry that piece of paper and pen home with you. So you just got blessed by the church here. You got something to write on and write with. But carry it home with you and, and meditate some more tonight or in the morning. But does anyone have a burning question about something I've said tonight that you would like to ask? Not a comment, but a question. And if I can't answer it, Kyle will. If he can't answer it, Jackie will, right? Anybody got a burning question? Well, I, I'm, I'm kind of hearing two questions in your question. There, number one, a multitude. Of, uh, there's safety in a multitude of counselors, is what I actually quoted, and we and I explained what that counsel was. But a lot of people don't get it. I don't think I'm speaking about your situation, but a lot of people don't get it because most people don't want to make themselves vulnerable. We all want to be spiritual and glow in the dark. So we're not going to go and ask anyone and give them opportunity. Another thing is, a lot of people don't want to hear the truth. The word, of, the, the word of God says the truth will make you free. The word of clay verbs says, but it'll make you miserable first. Amen? It'll make you miserable. And so I think I'm hearing you, sir, uh, say that you're these would be my words, crying out for counsel, the spirit of counsel. 
Is that, is that what I'm hearing you? But you don't feel like it's coming? Did I? Right. Right. Well, I will tell you, it's very it, it's very difficult to find someone to have a relational covenant with that will tell you the truth. It's the reason I just had to correct a young pastor somewhere because he's getting all these words from the people in his congregation. Now, it's going to make somebody nervous, but p- people have the tendency to prophesy to us what they think we want to hear. And I'm not saying it's wrong for people in this congregation to prophesy to Pastor Kyle, but what I am telling you is they have a tendency. And so some people are intimidated of rejection. They don't want to tell you the truth. I'm faced with a situation right now uh, about some material, material that's going to be released to the body of Christ that I have a concern that it's going to create some confusion. And so I'm looking for the wisdom of how to sit down with the person who's a friend of mine and issue a challenge before, before this material is released to the body of Christ uh, to bring in a multitude of counselors together and go over this material to make sure it doesn't create a, a uh, whirlwind of confusion in the body of Christ. Um, I'm close enough to him, I'm going to say this. How many of you have read Robert Henderson's book on the court of heaven? Book number one. How many of you read book number two? How many agreed book number two is a lot better than book number one? A lot better. And I happen to know two men of God I don't know if they pleaded, but they strongly requested him, him not put book one when it was written out. I mean, Robert and I have talked about it. Robert's my friend. I'm not throwing him under the bus at all. But what I'm just trying to say, sometimes people have a tendency to be fearful you're going to reject them and it's going to cost a relationship and they're not willing to tell truth, uh, to sit you down and to make themselves vulnerable. And to tell tell truth, good good question, sir. And one more, okay. All right. Should have been at Jackie's. <laughs> uh, she has the difference between the gift of prophecy and a seer. Now let me just share this. I'm going to talk out of my experience. I'm a seer. Many times, a while ago, when I went over here to use Crystal as an example, and I walked over here and I just kind of began. I set my heart. I begin to watch a vision run in front of me. It's just like a video. That's the way 90% of the time I see things. I'm a seer. And so with that, others have just this knowing that, you know, they, and even others hear a still small voice. And, you know, God doesn't say, thus saith the Lord when you were a young woman. I don't remember what I spoke to her now, but. He didn't lay it out like that. What he'll do, he'll just give you a phrase, and then he begins to build on it. So to be a seer, there's two types of visions. There is a closed vision, and you see that in your mind, and I operate in that some. But then there's an open vision, and you see it run. Most of mine, I watch a video run out here. I mean, my elders could verify this. I've had a vision on Saturday night 
especially in the early days of the church. I'm never there anymore. Uh, I, during COVID, I traveled 42 weekends last year. And so, uh, uh, but I would call, I would tell them when they got to church on Sunday, I said, there's going to be a new family come in. They're going to sit right here, and it's going to be a husband, wife, and two little children. And that, they're real close to splitting up. And I said, well, when they show up, I want you all to start praying because I'm going to give them a prophetic word what they need to hear. And God, I would be in prayer with the service on Saturday night, and this vision would run in front of me, and I promise you. In fact, well, I remember one time I said, this family's coming. It's going to be a man and his wife. She's going to, the two kids are going to sit between them. Going to sit, and his name is Henry. The Lord even gave me his name and stuff. They came. And God touched them and got them in some marriage count and their marriage were healed. Now, I'm not, I hope you're hearing, I'm not in any way trying to embellish who I am. I'm comfortable with me, okay? I'm trying to help you understand that you can operate in this level. So, did I help you with that? Did, okay, all right, with that. One more. Was there another hand up somewhere? Somebody got a question. Let me just tell you, there's only one stupid question. That's the one that doesn't get asked. Amen. We we uh, we've developed a we we seek to develop an environment where the anointing can become your teacher. That's the manner I taught tonight in. Because the scripture says you have no need of man to teach you, but the anointing shall teach you all things. And in some of our classes that we do at CityGate, we have an instructor that expounds, and the instructor gets for someone in the class, and they pose questions. And if the question don't get asked, that person asks them. Because a lot of times you get more mileage. I think we got more mileage out of your question than probably most of my teaching tonight. And that was good. It was burning in your spirit. And what this man on the back brought for. So nobody else has got a question. You do. A true prophet is governmental. Okay. Well, when he said, I'll build the church upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, being accurate does not make you a prophet, but being able to go in and speak to to situations in churches and regions and territories and nations or whatever and that the the authority brings about a governmental shift from the voice of the prophet from the authority that god has invested in the prophet and another thing about prophets too they go in sometime the authority they carry without even speaking bring change and it goes down to a teaching that i use a lot authority is is what? It just is. Let me give you an example. If your father was the disciplinary in your household and your mother ever said to you, just wait till your daddy gets home. And it was 8 o'clock in the morning and he didn't get home at 7 at night, his authority got there a long time before he did. <laughs> authority is. I did a conference for 19 years straight. I spoke every year in the conference. And this is what the pastor told me. He's, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to just tell you, I did it with Harold Eberly, who's one of the best communicators I've ever been around in my life. And I did it with another guy out of England named Anthony Chaplin. And he's a great communicator. I mean, I'm, I'm small potatoes 
in my communication compared to both those guys. And I did it 19 years because this is what the pastor said. You come in, the authority you carry sets the tone, the atmosphere for everything. And for 19 years, I went there and I did this conference. Now, these guys, Harold Everly is the most spiritual theologian I've ever met in the earth. I know him very well, you know, with, but the two guys I mentioned to you, they could speak and, and capture you by their theology. I don't speak to capture you with my theology. I speak to capture your heart to the king's hand. Because when you release your heart to the king's hand, he can massage it and cause it to become what he wants. And it took me a long time to discover what it is. It's in the movie Gladiator, I think it was, said there at the end when his last battle was coming up, he was told, I think Russell Crowe was the actor when him, but he was told, he said, if you, if you capture the people's heart, you'll get your freedom. And I, I've learned that that's what God, I, I speak to capture your heart. And by capturing your heart, and it's not to take away from those other two men, but by capturing your heart, then the anointing can become your teacher. Amen? Kyle, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Anybody, total, anybody totally confused? We'll cast it out of you. No. Wasn't that awesome? I don't know about y'all, but I was blessed by that. I... Um, it really encouraged me because I, I love talking about the stuff that people don't like to talk about that they say is spooky and weird, but people like Clay can put it in such a way where it's understandable and it's not spooky and it's not weird and it's quite normal for what we call the, the supernatural ways of God, amen? Like the, the, his supernatural should become our natural, amen? So... I'm encouraged, and I'm, I'm looking forward to tomorrow morning, and I hope all of you come and get on social media, whatever you got to do, and, and invite more to come. Amen? It's going to be a great morning. We're going to be here tomorrow at 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock, 10 to 1 tomorrow. It's going to be a great time. So I want to pray us out, and um, I'm encouraged. It's going to be a good morning.